Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 142 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, we have a very special guest. Dr. Ali Novitsky is joining us, and we are talking about optimizing your genetic potential. Now, Dr. Novitsky, if you haven't met her yet, she is triple board certified in obesity medicine, pediatrics, and neonatology. And she's also a life coach and she runs life coaching for women physicians and has a podcast by the same name. And her focus is on doing what needs to be done to optimize your body in the way it's actually made. And that's what we're talking about today on this podcast episode. How can you meet your body where it's at instead of wishing it was different, wishing it could be better, wishing it could be somebody else's? and make it the way you want it to be within the realms of what your body is. I really enjoyed recording this interview with Allie, and I hope that you enjoy it too. Before we get to the interview, I just wanted to give you a heads up about what I've been working on. I've been busy in the background making stuff for you guys. I'm working on a brand new free course. By the time this episode is released, this course that I'm working on should either be available or it will be coming out like within the week when you're listening to this. So I'm giving you a heads up so that you can watch your emails and listen to the podcast because of course I'll post some announcements on it when the new course is ready. This is a free course called Weight Loss Kickstart for Physicians. Now, who is this for? Well, if you're sitting there wondering, how do I get going? How do I start losing weight? Or how do I keep going? How do I lose the next pounds but how do I do this in a way that doesn't feel like all the diets I've been on? That's what this course is about. So it's about starting weight loss, but it's about starting weight loss from the way you actually want to be living your life. We often start diets where we think, okay, what's the fastest way, the most restrictive way that I just need to lose weight really quick? But the problem with that short-term approach is that you don't actually want to live your life like that. And really, when we're talking about losing weight, we're talking about long-term weight loss is really what most of us want. It's not too often that we're looking for just a drastic weight loss and we don't care whether or not we regain it. And I really believe that if you want to lose weight, doing it in a way, and right from the beginning, right from the start, doing it in a way that actually works for you and is the way you could continue living your life long-term that's when it's sustainable. I think this air of just going extra restrictive and kind of essentially being unkind to ourselves right from the get-go is an error that results in the weight regain that we have or that we often struggle with. Now, does that mean you can't lose weight quickly? No, not at all. What really matters is what you set, the structure you set up for yourself, the intention, the thoughts, the kindness behind it 
makes it so that it's sustainable, but you also can do, you know, reasonably quote unquote restrictive things if you have the right intention and it feels good for you. And that's stuff that we're going to be talking about in this free course is how do you actually differentiate that? How do you figure that out? There's going to be so much stuff in this free course and it's going to get you going, losing weight in a way that's actually going to last and in a way that's going to set you up for success for all the other weight that you're wanting to lose. So keep your ears open. I'll be sending out emails, of course. If you're not already on my email list, well, what's holding you back? If you get on my email list, you get weekly emails that are motivating, that cover important topics where I see people get tripped up, they compliment the podcast. So essentially you get more help if you get on the email list. If you're not already on the list and you want to know when new stuff comes out right away and you want more support, head over to my website, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, click on the resources tab and pick one of the resources that are there. There's lots of free content and when you sign up for them, you will get added to my email list and then you'll start getting all the weekly emails and heads up about the new content when it comes out. All right. I'm totally excited. I'm recording videos for the course later this afternoon when I'm finished with the podcast. And I can't wait to create this for you guys so that it helps you get going, helps you create what you want in your life. All right. Without further ado, let's get going with the interview. Welcome to Dr. Novitsky. All right, Ali, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm super excited to have you. This is an exciting day because we're recording this episode for my podcast, and then we're going to be recording a sister episode for yours, which is super fun. I love that. They're like sisters. I never even thought of it that way, but it's so perfect. No, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. All right, let's start. And just if you can tell people who are listening a little bit of your background, just so that they can have a chance to get to know you before we get going into mastering your genetic potential. I love it. Sure. So I was the typical child who was not as small as all of her friends. And so I got labeled as the chubby kid pretty early on when I was about six. And that really kind of defined me for a while. And I think it really kind of drove my confidence down. I mean, when I think back to early years, it's really, there were signs that there was low confidence and whatnot. And what happened was I found sports probably, I would say when I was around 10, and I was pretty good at sports. And it was the first time that I actually noticed, oh, wow, I felt, I felt pretty bad about myself up until this point. And now there's athletics, there's sports, and I, I'm strong. I'm really strong. In fact, I keep getting picked first for all the teams. And so it was the first time that I really kind of stood out. And as high school went, I continued to kind of always be a little bit bigger than my friends. And it, it bothered me to a degree. And I had gone on the whole thing of, oh, let's try to lose weight. Let's try to look like everybody else. And really that wound up just backfiring. And so then when I got to about college years, I did go to college to play a sport and I had gained quite a bit of weight. So I probably put on an additional 30 pounds and I was playing a sport. We were training really hard and I didn't like that. It didn't feel comfortable in my body. But at the same time, I knew that trying to diet down and become a different body that was never really mine anyway, wasn't going to work either. So it was at that point that I really started to understand embracing your unique body type for what your body can actually do for you. And once you start loving it in that way and respecting it in that way and accepting it in that way, you actually want to start doing nice things for it. And that's when I really achieved my best health and to the point where, you know, I dropped the additional 30 pounds and actually an additional 20 pounds because I was probably 20 pounds overweight in high school. 
And I've maintained that weight for about 20 years, just all on the principle of really kind of embracing who I am and learning to work with my body, with my genetic potential. That's really impressive that you were able to do that at such a young age because those early 20 years and so generally aren't the easiest years to love yourself (laughs) No, to find the love for yourself. No, but I think I was pretty desperate because I wasn't dating. I refused to date. I really just thought that there was something wrong with me, but I didn't want that to be my life. I wanted everything to be right with me. And so I knew at that point, I knew then that it had to come from not just an action plan, but I had to mentally get behind that. Yeah, which is impressive again, like it's such an important skill to realize way back then and to take it from a place of love. I love it. Yeah, so here I am. And so it's been really amazing because I think if I had never discovered that, first of all, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today, but also that would have been a really long time of just not liking myself. And so now it's just when I'm at this place where I am not Giselle, I'm Allie, and that's awesome and perfect. And so it feels really good to kind of just own who I am and to watch other women own who they are. And I think if we kind of see somebody do that and we can really look up to that and respect that, then you kind of see this whole domino effect in a good way, a positive domino effect where everybody starts loving who they are and they realize it's okay to do that. Imagine, I like to think this is like, imagine if everybody actually loved who they were and particularly women physicians, right? Like imagine if we were able to gift every woman physician listening a belief that they were exactly okay right now like how the world would change, how much like power and influence and leadership that would just open up in the world. I love to think about it. And I think it's totally possible. And I hope everybody listening considers that it could be possible for them. Because I see it as one of the biggest tragedy tragedies <laughs> of uh, us as women physicians is that we tend to be here with this constant doubt that we should be doing something better. Yes. I actually love that you said that because it's almost as if the amount of energy, and I know you hear this all the time from your people, but the amount of energy we spend believing that we're not doing something right, or we should be doing something differently, or why didn't we figure this out and everybody else did. That amount of energy, imagine if we put that out into the world. I mean, you're right. Because, and I always say this to my people, I'm always like, can you all give me some new thoughts and some new beliefs? Because you all are really smart and I'd like to borrow some of your thoughts. And so if we all can really get behind that. And so I always ask, and I'm actually curious to hear what you have to say, but where's that resistance? Like what's the resistance of actually considering loving yourself to that nth degree? Like there's like this resistance. And at first I used to think, personally, this is what I would think, that, well, if I accepted myself, then I'm basically saying that, well, you're not going to ever try again. You're going to just stay where you are and you're never going to make progress or you're never going to get to your goal or result. Yeah. What I hear a lot of when I talk to people about this is that they feel that tough love, the kind of holding themselves to really high standards is what's actually gotten them where they are. And that if they were to give that up, kind of similar to what you're saying, if they stopped holding themselves to such high standards, stop being so tough on themselves, that maybe they would slide. And particularly when I'm seeing people who are dealing with weight and are maybe feeling frustrated about their weight, the concern would be if I'm not holding myself to these really high standards, my weight's going to get worse. I might get out of control with that. 
And what I argue is the opposite. And I imagine you probably agree with this is that when you're being really hard on yourself from a weight standpoint, from an eating healthy, from doing all the self-care stuff, it just doesn't fall into place. Like the two don't go hand in hand. And so I like to say to people, what if you got here where you are, despite holding yourself to super high standards, despite being really hard on yourself, not because, but despite, because maybe it had nothing to do with it. Maybe it's just correlation doesn't mean causation kind of situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I always say to them, so when you think that your result should be this and it feels very far out of reach, but yet you really want it, what happens? And usually they say, well, I put a lot of pressure on myself to try and get there. And then obviously when they're putting all this pressure, they're not going to take the actions that are going to actually get them to where they want to be. And so then I say, well, what makes you feel calm? And I always love this description. I use this like probably every day and people are probably bored by now of it, but I'll tell you. So I say, pretend you're walking into a spa and it's like the most amazing spa in the entire world. And the robes are the most comfortable that you've ever put on. And it smells amazing and it's quiet. And you have the whole 24 hours there and you have all these amazing services that are going to happen. And there's like delicious snacks and teas and it's just amazing. And then I always say, do you want to like run to Burger King and get a number five and like pig out on it? <laughs> like, right. And they laugh and I'm like, no, because you feel calm and at peace. So you're not going to take actions that are going to take you away from feeling that peace and that pleasure and that calm. And so I think one of the strategies that I really like to use is how do we get ourselves back to that calm? Because calm will get you to your result, calm and peaceful and accepting. And compassion. Yes. <laughs> That's huge. I love, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good description because it often feels, and my issue, like when I was struggling with my weight was like Wendy's drive through was where my brain was like, we got to go settle everything down. Everything will be okay when we go to the drive through And so I thought it had something to do with that food for so many years, that that food was something special. And really it's everything else if I'm managing the other stuff and actually kind of leading my best life, there's no need to go to Wendy's French fries. They just don't, they don't hold the same interest. When I start to think about them, I know that other things are getting out of kilter because I think of it like a, a symptom or like a white flag that my brain's waving saying, you're missing something here. <laughs> like we need something. And so it's helpful to realize that it's not the food, no matter how compelling the food feels, it's never the food. It's something else that's driving it. I love that so much because one of the strategies that I even use personally to this day, and this is what's, I think, really kind of fun to admit. A lot of times people say, well, you figured it out, so you don't have to worry about it. And a lot of people, when they first meet me, don't think I've ever had to have or th that I've never had these struggles, but I've had all the struggles. I had emotional eating. I had overeating. I had all of that. And it's constant work. I mean, you constantly have to manage your mind. But one of the things that in the past couple of years that I personally have used is if I know something emotional is coming up and I'm like, okay, those brownies sound really good. Mine's peanut butter, like peanut butter and chocolate. Like if my brain goes there, I know there's something going on. Not that I wouldn't choose that like on any day anyway, but I know if I am like all of a sudden thinking those things that that's coming up. And so all I do is I simply take a moment and I just ask myself, is this showing up for my future self? Is this how I want to show up for my future self? And, and I have that decision. I can choose to, if I'm 
and I go by the principles. If you're hungry, of course you're going to, you're going to eat. But if I'm not hungry and I'm thinking about chocolate and peanut butter, then I can just simply ask, is this showing up for your future self right now? And then I'll say yes or no. And I, so I'll say I, I choose to show up for my future self so that I, I won't go ahead and have all the chocolate and peanut butter. But then I'll make a plan. Okay, but if I really want chocolate and peanut butter, I'll wait till I get hungry again and I'll make a plan on how much I plan to eat. And so that's been surprisingly really effective for me. Yeah, well, I think it's you're not saying no, like you're not making that food that you like off limits. It's like you're modifying the situation that you use it in, which I think is really powerful. So tell people, we kind of got partway through your adulthood, but tell people what you do now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am a coach specifically working with female physicians. And really kind of my strategy is I help them achieve their optimal health. And I know that that might seem like, okay, well, what is that exactly? And what it means is when they first kind of come to me, we figure out what is their body type? It's really important that we figure out, okay, are you ectomorph? Are you mesomorph? Are you endomorph? Are you a combination? We figure that out because one of the things that comes up right away is they always say, I want to weigh this number. This is my weight. This is my goal weight. And I want to weigh this because this is when I felt my best. And I'm like, really? Okay, let's just see. So I actually have my own. I don't even use the BMI chart. I really don't. But I have my own devised BMI chart that I say, okay, I'm going to give you my BMI chart. And this is what I consider healthy. It comes from data. I think I took 200 women and who considered themselves healthy and I took their data points and it's really matched up and it's really, really nice. So the first thing we do is we set like our realistic expectations. And then from there, what I focus on is pretty straightforward. We get our steps in. So I'm a big fan of NEAT, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis. All of us wear pedometers. It's funny, it's kind of a thing now, but that we, we're getting our steps in. In terms of the nutrition that we do, it's very intuitive, meat's kind of gentle. So kind of my only requirement is getting three servings of protein a day. And then the third thing, which is super important, is that our community really focuses a lot on strength training because we really try to preserve lean body mass because I would say more of the focus of what I do in my coaching is more on body composition change. So people might weigh the same exact weight when they come to me, they might even weigh more, but their body fat to lean mass will absolutely change. And that's really, I would say, what I combine kind of all the cognitive work with kind of the strategy behind that. So that's what I do now. And I work out with them. So it's fun for me. <laughs> nice. Well, that's super fun. And that, because yours is all virtual too, it would have transitioned so well through the pandemic. Hey, is That's why it started. I didn't used to work out with them. They had written programs and we would do the regular coaching calls. And then what happened was when the gym shut down, I said, all right, we're going to start working out live. And I have to tell you, it's probably the more popular call in my program. Like if somebody were going to pick between a workout or a coaching call, they'll pick a workout. Oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Bang for buck for your time yeah. invested, hey? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the maximizing your genetic potential. Tell me what you mean by that. Yeah, I love it. So I think more times than not, right, people will have a vision of what they think is going to be their healthy place or what they want to look like in terms of their health. Like we're all very visual. I remember like I would look at celebrities. And I'm like, oh, Gabrielle Reese, she looks really athletic. Like I want to look like her. Like I'll, I would just pick out like who I wanted to look like based on nothing. It would just be like my preference. I'm laughing because I totally remember as like a young teen, like I guess probably preteen, like Sporty Spice and her yeah. six pack. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that's probably what I need. Yeah. That's so <laughs> that funny. Looks, <laughs> that looks really nice. And like my body type is not one that will ever have a six pack. Okay. So right there. Perfect. Exactly. So 
so all of us are predisposed to look differently. And what I always tell people in terms of the genetics, I'm like, look at your, if you have the ability, because if we're adopted, it might be more difficult. But if you can look at where you come from in your family, like take a good hard look because you are going to fit in somewhere there. Like you are going to have genetics that are going to, if you're not adopted, you're going to have genetics that fit in with the family that you're looking at. And so let's get really realistic about what that looks like. So, and if you actually do 23andMe, there's different profiles they run. And there's one of them that says you are likely to weigh more than average. You are likely to weigh average. You are likely to weigh less than average. And that goes back to your ancestry. So they can actually, they pull from where you're from. So if you're Eastern European, like that's where my dad's family is. And my mom, cute little thing. She's tiny. She's from Sicily. So my profile came back that I am more likely to weigh more than average. Well, it makes sense because, I mean, I don't know if I do or don't, to be quite honest, but growing up, I certainly did. And so being able to kind of look at those family genetics to say, hey, listen, this is where I fit in. And am I setting a realistic goal for myself? Okay, so if you are somebody who, I have many women who have these amazing kind of mesomorph, endomorph body type, which is somebody who's naturally muscular, but also carries a little bit of additional body fat. There's not one body type that's better than the other, but this is just our body types. And what happens with them is they're more likely to weigh a little bit more. And so they're always feeling super discouraged about that, but they avoid strength training because they say, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to bulk up. Okay, so they have all these limiting beliefs behind how could they can actually optimize their body because their body is actually one that's going to really respond to strength training. And they're going to change the entire shape of their body. They're going to get stronger. They're going to get leaner. But they're avoiding what they think that they should avoid because they don't realize that, wow, my body was built for this. My body was actually built to lift these things to get this result. And then you'll have somebody who comes and, you know, I, I have a lot of naturally thin women as well. They're ectomorphs. They're like, I just want to get a lot stronger. I want to put on muscle. I've always been the thin one. I don't like it. I want to gain muscle. And so we look back and we're like, okay, what do your genetics look like? Yeah, everybody in their family is super thin. And a lot of the other ladies in my group will say, well, that's favorable. What are you complaining about? But you see, we all deal with the same struggles. And so optimizing her genetic potential will be, okay, so we actually have to get pretty creative with her nutrition because she actually has to eat more in a surplus to be able to gain the muscle that she wants. And so it's really, really fun to do that. But I think that optimizing your genetic potential first is becoming aware of what your genetics are. And then the second phase is setting a realistic goal. And then the third phase is, and kind of what you and I talked about before, It's putting that plan, that effective plan into motion for your particular body. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about, and you mentioned this before too, is the acceptance piece of it. Because I find that such a big issue. And it it was something I really had to work on when I was kind of deep in my trying to lose weight phase, is accepting that my body is different and it handles food and weight differently than like, you know, I have very naturally thin friends and colleagues and my body's just different. And before I was able to successfully start to lose the weight and do it in a way that I knew it was going to stay off, I had to accept that the way I would eat for my life was not going to look like the way I had been eating because that wanting to eat quote unquote normal, like a North American diet, which isn't particularly normal when you look at it, <laughs> right. it just didn't work for my body. My body loves to 
retain energy in the form of adipose tissue. It's really good. Like I will survive famine, which is slightly reassuring in the global warming and stuff that we have right now. But um, <laughs> but I had to come to terms and it was getting acceptance of that instead of fighting against it. Because I think when we fight against what our bodies actually are, number one, it makes us dislike our bodies, which is never good because our bodies are amazing. But it also then creates this inconsistency in what you're doing because you're trying to change your body, but then not actually liking what you're doing to do that and not liking the fact that you have to change or like that you have to take action to change and things like that. It creates all these complexities, but acceptance, I think is so important. I love that. And I love what you're saying, because I know that this really, as we talked before, really speaks to you a little bit, but just that no one size fits all and also getting back to just choosing, right? So I would agree, like for me, I'm definitely going to survive right alongside with you. I will be there too. And I'll also be pushing up the carts up the hill and like carrying a lot of heavy things, right? Like it's just, it's my genetics. I, I saw my parents this weekend and I'm looking at my dad and I'm like, I know exactly where I came from. Like we're just strong. But what I can tell you is anytime I've ever worked with a coach, because I have worked with coaches where I'll do specific macros. It's kind of how I learned to do macros and all those different types of things, they always want to give me way higher carbs because they're like, in their mind, these carbs they're giving me are actually low. I already know it's not going to work. I can tell that I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what I can tolerate. I know exactly what I'm going to hold on to and I will hold on to it. So it's so funny. So more recently I was working with somebody and they could not understand how I just was not and this was because I was trying to gain muscle because from time to time I work with a coach and I'll try to gain muscle and kind of do some physique stuff. And I was kind of going along with it because I was kind of like, you know what, let me just see if I wind up putting on additional muscle by keeping these carbs this high. And I didn't really, but it was interesting because I knew, I knew what I had to do. And But you're right, like making the choice and saying, I choose to eat this way because I know that that is going to work for me. I think it's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And that acceptance lets you then be in different food environments and not care, right? Like this is a super common thing that comes up is like, okay, how do I stick to my plan when my partner is eating chips beside me or something like that? And I really think the core of it is acceptance. Like if you're feeling there's something wrong with you or wrong with what you're having to do, you'll always be tempted with what other people are doing. Whereas if you have that core acceptance, then you'll just stick to your thing. Like last night we had a birthday, we were at a birthday party for a good friend and I don't know where they all came from, but I'm not kidding you guys. There was, I think about 12, like dozen boxes of donuts from like different fancy bakeries, (laughs) plus ice cream cake, plus like regular cake. And I went planning on not really eating any carbs. And there would have been times in my life where that would have induced panic. Like I would have seen these fancy, you know, like Simpson type donuts that are so pretty. And I would have been like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm going to be able to be here and not eat these. And I would have spent my entire time thinking about the donuts. But it's that acceptance that, you know what, they look great, but they're not going to work for me. They're not going to make me feel good. That acceptance, let me be there the whole evening, stand near the donuts, watch other people eat the donuts, see how pretty the donuts looked, and just never actually want to reach for a donut. And I think it's so important, like talking about that is that it wasn't, I was using willpower. It was, it was never the fighting to not eat donuts, which is what it used to be, right? It was just this acceptance of, it's just not what I want for myself. Kind of like what you were saying, like, is that going to serve my future self? And the answer would be a resounding no when it comes to donuts. 
Yeah, I really love that. I really love that visual because I'm picturing like all the donuts and you standing there and it's just not even being a thing because you're right. It's just that you're choosing it. That's, That's the bottom line. You're choosing it because I would go through the same things. And I think a lot of people definitely have trouble with the whole willpower thing. Because I think a lot of us just don't understand it necessarily. My mother-in-law, she always says, I just don't have the discipline. I don't have the willpower. And it's like, no, actually, you have a lot of that. But then it just kind of gives out. And so then talking about the thoughts behind how, what is your thought? And what you just said, I love it. Just that that just doesn't work for me. And I, I actually really think that that's a powerful thought. It's simple, but it really gets the job done. Totally. Yeah. And it took a while for me to actually come to that and believe it. So if anybody's like listening to this and like, I can't imagine being in that environment, not wanting it. I think just, I offer that story as just an example of it's possible. And it just takes like working on those thoughts and believing them and proving them to yourself to make it so that it can just be not a big deal. You can just not be bothered by it. So many people kind of figure it would never be even possible. Okay. Let's talk more about I think the muscle mass piece of it, especially as women, especially aging, (laughs) not becoming the little frail osteoporotic women that can't Mm -hmm. get up off a couch, which is, that's my goal in life is to not become that. Yes, yes. So how do you go about suggesting maintaining muscle mass for women, particularly as we age and we lose the benefit of estrogen and things like that? Exactly. No, I love this question because it's it's my favorite. So a couple things. And now two components. First component is going to be obviously resistance training, right? Is lifting, using those muscles. We have to use them so we don't lose them. And the second piece is going to be the nutrition piece. So I'll talk about both just, just quickly, kind of my broad overview. But the idea is that once we hit 30, we actually do start losing lean muscle mass. And so when we talk about kind of the metabolism of everything, we know that the only way that we can actually keep our basal metabolic rate grooving is truly by maintaining that lean mass or by actually increasing the lean mass. And the other interesting thing too is, you know, I get all these women that are 55, 60, and they're trying to lose weight. And the whole time I'm telling them, okay, fine, but we have to be resistance training with that because for every pound, if you're not resistance training, for every pound and you're in a calorie deficit, for every pound you lose on the scale, you can lose up to 25% lean mass. Now that's not necessarily all muscle, but it can be water, it can be bone, it can be organs, but it's not straight fat loss. And so when they go ahead and they are following maybe an unrealistic plan and then they gain that back, they're not gaining their lean mass back. They're gaining just the pure fat back. And so that's why you have the rebound effect. Well, one of the reasons. So how I go about helping women, especially as we age, is that I say, we're going to start with 10 to 20 minutes of strength training once a week. And so it can be really simple. You could literally go on YouTube and find a program if you want to. But I have I have these workouts I call on-call workouts. And they're designed to be kind of really quick. They're 10, 20 minutes, but you can make them longer. We use really basic movements. So you can do things as simple with no equipment like push-ups and squats and lunges. Really simple, 10 to 20 minutes once a week. So one of the things that I do is we have like a weekly workout in one of my groups where I say, listen. If you're having trouble showing up for your resistance training, you're just going to come once a week on Sunday. You just show up on Sunday. That's all you have to do for the whole week. So my goal is to get them, get these women, get us women, strength training about three times a week. 
Now, it doesn't have to be three hour-long sessions. It can be three 10-minute sessions. That would be enough, honestly, to just at least maintain the lean muscle mass. That's it. We just need to move every single muscle in our body once a week. So if you can do that, that's why the workouts we do are like an hour. So if you can do that in an hour, great. Or if you want to do an upper body, a lower body, and a full body, so you do three a week, keep them real short, 10 to 20 minutes, that's going to do the trick. I mean, it truly, truly is. So you're talking about an hour commitment for the week. The next piece is the nutrition. And so what I say for the most important part of the nutrition is just be eating three servings of protein a day. Because there's so much talk about, well, how much protein? What do you think? Is it one gram per body? Is it one gram per kilo? Like, what is it? I say, and I teach everything based on visual appearance. Like, I don't have anybody weigh, measure. We actually don't, in the basic programs I do, we don't calculate macros. But I say, palm of your hand, which if you're eating, if you are a meat eater, so it's about four to six ounces we're talking about three times a day. Obviously, if you're vegetarian, tons of veggie sources. If you eat dairy, tons of sources there. There's a lot of ways to get your protein. I say aim for three servings a day. So the three servings of protein a day combined with moving those muscles is going to at least maintain lean mass from what I found. And it's kind of what I teach as my core. And if you're looking more to building yeah, we're going to move a little bit more. Okay. So that's when you kind of make the commitment. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm moving my muscles, but you know what? I actually want to put muscle on now. I'm really interested to see what my body can do. Then that's going to be something more. And that's when we get more into the programming of, okay, well, here's how we're going to do it. And here's the sessions. This is what we want you to do for the next three months, next six months. But you're looking at more of a long-term kind of, at least a, I would say to actually gain lean mass, most women can gain, if you're training hard and eating appropriately, you can gain about a pound of muscle a month. And that's with some pretty significant training. But that's kind of my approach from how to be able to preserve that lean mass, at least put a focus on it. Yeah, excellent. What do you say to, because I find as women, there often is the resistance to strength training or and so how do you handle women's concerns about either, I don't like strength training or like you said, the bulking up or all those other concerns. Yeah, I think it's a really, really, a really, really real one. It's a really, really real concern. I have surveyed people on this, women on this, and usually what they say is they're not athletic, they're not coordinated, they feel embarrassed, they don't know where to start. Like those are kind of the main things. The fifth thing is probably there's not enough motivation because they haven't really had a strength training program most of their life. And it's hard to just go ahead and just start one and make it work and all those things. And so what I usually tell them is just what I said, well, here's a really simple workout. Here's a demo. I give them a video demo. This is what you're going to do. But one of the things that I found is by coming together, because I told you everything transitioned to this virtual platform. But I think even things like Pel- it doesn't even have to things like Peloton even kind of finding a way to do a class or be with a group or find a tribe where you're doing it together. I think from the motivation end and from the instruction end, like knowing what you're doing by watching and following along and kind of building motivation through group settings, I think is really what I promote personally, especially if you are one where you haven't been in the gym since you're 12 years old, figuring out how to do all these lifts, right? Now, that was what I did. Like, so I was in the gym that long. So for me, I feel like it's a really cool thing that I can then share with people. Like, I'm like, listen, you don't have to feel comfortable with it because I do. So let me help you and show you. And then once you do, you're going to show somebody else. And so it's this whole spiraling effect. Now, 
the bulking up piece is really easy to explain. So it's really, I used to think I had a body type that could really put on muscle and really bulk up, but I do have a mesomorph body type, but it takes really intense training to even have that happen for me. Like it doesn't happen as easily as we want to think it does. What happens is we put on muscle, but then if we're hungrier through the exercise, which we know happens, and we're not in a deficit with our calories, if we are trying to lose body fat, yeah, you're gonna, we're going to bulk up because we're just putting on muscle and we still we haven't lost fat at the same rate that we're putting muscle on, which is the most typical scenario. So what I tell people is it's going to be a process. And that may happen at first, but that's why we're going to listen to our hunger cues. We're going to eat according to our training. We're going to get that all dialed in. And then we have to follow along for progress. And so one of the things I think is really important with the concern of bulking up is to actually take pictures. So I think the scale is really difficult when we are trying to kind of do a body composition change scenario. So one of the next thing I recommend is either have an outfit that you're trying on once every two weeks. Um, you can use the scale, but also like definitely having another measurement like either tape measure or actually taking pictures. And so I review pictures. That's what I do as part of part of one of the programs I run because a lot of times, especially if you do have that mesomorph body type, you might weigh the same and you might have lost 10 pounds of muscle and you, you might have gained 10 pounds of muscle and lost 10 pounds of fat and you're going to weigh exactly the same and think that you've made no progress. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's so true. Having multiple ways that you're measuring your progress is so important because it's so common to just hang on the scale and that it's such an imperfect measurement device. (laughs) Totally. It totally is. I have a picture that somebody who's been with me for about three years and she lets me show it, but essentially in the past year, she gained 13 pounds of muscle and lost 14 pounds of fat looks completely different. But she told me, she's like, I would have quit because I would have thought that this is wasting my time. And it's so true. We all, because we get so hung up, it's the only, you know, you're in second grade and you get called down to the nurse's office to get weighed. And that's what you remember. And it's the gold standard in your mind. Yeah. And our minds are such good editors. Like if you're depending on your visual assessment in the mirror of how you look, it um, just it'll edit it, it'll distort it, it'll change it. Like when I look in the mirror on a bad day, it's very easy for me to feel like I look the same as I did before I lost my 55 pounds. And yet it's not true. Like when I see photos, then I'm like, oh yeah, no, I don't look like that anymore. That's right. And I actually, for years, I've had the same, it doesn't show up because I have other stuff, but on the home screen of my phone is a photo of me partway through my weight loss when I felt like I was actually looking pretty good. And I keep it there because I can see I look very different from how I look now. So like every single time I pick up my phone, I have that check-in of like, no, it is still different. (laughs) Cause it's so easy to distort it. Like your brain's like, oh no, we're all, we're back at square one. Like it's all out the window cause we ate some French fries. (laughs) Like I broke it all and it's just not true. And you have to check that part of your brain. And so photos I think are great. Yeah, it's so true. We went, I told you, we went back to see my parents this past weekend. And so we went to some of the, we actually went to my high school. We went to the first softball field I played at. And so we took some pictures and then I saw myself on the field and I'm like, oh, wow, I look very different than I did when I played softball on this field the last time I played softball on this field. 
And it was just really a big aha moment. And it just, but the thing is that I was accepting, I've become accepting of who I was before I had lost some weight because, I mean, it really did get me to where I wanted to go like completely. And then I just decided from there what I wanted to do with it. So yeah, I love that. So before we wrap up, any sort of last minute, like last pearls of wisdom that you'd want to share? I would say the biggest one is if you're out there kind of wanting to make some kind of a change or you feel like there's just something that you want for yourself, just really kind of define what that is. Define what it is. And then I think the next thing is to ask yourself, why do you want it? Right? Because if you're going to commit to making a change, your why has to be so compelling. Like your why really has to be something that keeps you up at night. It can't be as simple as, well, I want to look good on my beach vacation. Well, maybe, maybe that's what it is. But I think it's almost like words of wisdom would be dig super deep and really find out what it is that you want because it's possible. It's thousand percent possible. And I think today we kind of revealed like the secret of how you reframe it in your mind, right? Like this just doesn't work for me. This does work for me. So kind of just figure out your what, figure out your why, and then just go for it. Just go for it and don't look back. Yeah. I love that. Giving yourself the permission to believe that it's possible and go for it. I love that. So can you let everybody know where to find you? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Super easy. It's just lifecoachingforwomenphysicians.com and everything is right there at my website. I also have Instagram, which is just Ali Novitsky MD. And uh, I also have a podcast, which you will be showing up on there very soon. So I'm super excited. And that's Life Coaching for Women Physicians too, is a podcast name? Yep. It's all the same. Podcast is also Life Coaching for Women Physicians. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you so much for spending time with me, Ali. This has been super fun. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a fun interview. I enjoyed talking to Ali so much and going through all of the information that she had. And I have to tell you guys that it's made me really think, (laughs) I often think this, but I really need to be better with my strength training. It's the one thing that I still struggle with actually getting in and I'm not getting any younger. (laughs) So the whole muscle mass loss thing is happening. And so I'm going to set an intention from this of focusing more on strength training. It'll not only help my running, I've got a race coming up in the fall, but it also will help with my weight maintenance and overall function. So I'm not an old lady that can't get out of a chair. That's my goal in life, guys, when I get old, to be able to get out of a chair and walk. Uh, And really, strength training is important to do that. All right. I hope you enjoyed it. Send any comments or questions you have over to info at weight solutions for physicians. If you found this episode helpful, share it with somebody. There's so many people, there's so many physicians around that would benefit from hearing this information. Uh, And so share it, put it on your social media, share it with friends that you think would enjoy it and get the word out so that they can access this help too. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you later. Have a fantastic week. Bye-bye.